0: Looking to Jesus is the title that we've given this. It's taken from where the author of Hebrews says, fixing our eyes on him. And to make it a little bit more understandable, looking to Jesus. And this is from Hebrews 3, 7 to 19. Encourage one another. And I trust that our hearts will be encouraged today as a result of us looking at this passage. Because that's what the author had in mind and that's what I have in mind and I'm sure the Holy Spirit has in mind for us this morning. To be encouraged. Some of you may be discouraged. There are some things that you're going through that just you haven't got the solution to and you're trying to get through this just barely, by what we say in a cliché, by the skin of your teeth. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense to some Japanese speakers. And so life is hard. It is difficult. And it was made hard on purpose. You remember back when the first couple had everything just given to them on a silver platter? The whole world was theirs. Everything was there for them. And they weren't satisfied. Or at least someone made them dissatisfied. And we are in the state of everything is hard. We may think that work is a curse from God, it is not. It, in fact, is our salvation, it is part of God's plan to bring us to himself. Work is what we need as human beings. If Adam and Eve had stayed in the garden, they would not have survived. Surely they would not have survived and their offspring for one generation because of what sin has done to us as human beings. And the natural result or the problem that was given us when we disobeyed and our parents Adam and Eve, disobeyed by the sweat of your brow and by the labor of giving birth, there'll be pain. That wasn't a curse. That was a result. And it was also something to bring us to Christ, bring us to the understanding of who God is. I thank God for work. I thank God for pain. If you cut your finger, what happens? Oh, wow, okay, I need a Band-Aid. But if you can't feel it, what happens? You may lose that finger. You know, that's what the result of leprosy is. You know what leprosy is? It's a skin disease. It's a disease that enters your body and parts start falling off. But one of the results of leprosy, is that the nerves get damaged and they can't feel. And so you hurt your finger, you don't even know it. You hurt your toe, you don't even know it. It falls off. It rots away. My uh, gift, unfortunately, my spiritual gift, which is, I think, exhortation, don't feel badly, okay? I don't, I, I mean it. I mean to exhort you, but sometimes I get a scowl and I get very intense. And you might think, whoa, he's he's coming on too strong. But I'm trying to be an encourager. And so sometimes my wife tells me, honey, you were a little stern with the kids. And can you just lighten up a little bit? No, it's because I don't want them to hurt themselves. Okay. Let's read uh, in Hebrews here, our passage. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. And they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brethren, that there not be any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God but encourage one another day after day as long as it's called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter in because of unbelief. Let's encourage one another. That's the purpose that the writer of Hebrews has given us those scriptures. First point is, today if you hear his voice. You know, when our children are disobedient or they don't hear the first time we correct them. Are you listening? Are you listening? Do you hear me what I'm saying? Okay, I've got your attention. And that's what happens to us. We we get so used to hearing that voice that we think, well, yeah, I'll, I'll obey it eventually. And it's like what the Holy Spirit has to deal with us in speaking to us. The Holy Spirit talks to us over and over and over again until we get it or until we hurt ourselves, damage ourselves, and then we have to come crying back to him to correct us. Today, if you hear his voice, very, very important. If we just talked only about that, in your daily life, are you listening to the Holy Spirit through his word, through the the word that is shared with us by those who love us and care for us? Are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Our ears should be really tuned to listening And when that still small voice speaks to you, yes, Father, I'll do it. Or I'll not do that. Very important. Take care. It means that we we do care about God. We we don't we? We we really want to serve Him. We want to be His child. But we have to keep reminding ourselves take care. Be watchful. Remember who you are. Remember where you're going. Take care. Partakers of Christ. Today we're going to have communion, which to me is the highlight of the month. Actually, I would like us sometime to just have only communion, no preaching no testimonies or anything like that, but just sitting around the table and enjoying the Lord together. Have you ever done that in a communion service? It is a great experience. We've done it once in a while when we have guests over. And before we have a meal together, we have the Lord's Supper, the bread and the wine. And we just talk to each other about what we know about Jesus. Practice that in your home. Oh, well, we, we we can't do that. That's only for the church. I'm sorry. It is not just for the church. It is for our homes. That's where they celebrated the Passover. Did you remember that? And this is a reflection. It's the reality of Passover. And it, it was shared by young and old. And we have made it into an institution or a style that we are fearful about it. And we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be taking it for granted, which means uh, we just think, oh, this is just ordinary, it doesn't matter, it's just bread, it's just, just juice. No, we attach a real, sincere, honest application to it. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And so we need to remind ourselves, we do it once a month here. Some churches do it every Sunday. Some churches only do it once a year or twice. But it has to be that we understand that we are fellowshipping with the Lord 24-7. Our partaking, our walking with Jesus is a 24-7 experience. You can't get away from it. It doesn't let up. This is our life. We are partakers. Koinonia, fellowshipping with Christ. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, all scripture is inspired by God. Inspired is the Spirit. The Spirit of the Word is entering us as we... Take in the word of God. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching and reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God or the woman of God also may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Do we believe that? The word of God is the way that the Holy Spirit talks to us. He takes the word and brings it to our minds, reminds us so that we can walk in the way of Jesus. And we just take it for granted. So many of us have Bibles around our homes and we don't even realize how precious this word of God is. It says, today if you hear his voice, the Holy Spirit speaking through the word to our hearts, to our spirit. Do not harden your hearts. It's easy for us to get hardened. You know that there's a result of too much rain or too heavy a rain can actually damage a garden. And we've seen some of the recent newscasts from uh, Texas. You saw that rain just beating down. I mean, we're not talking just inches. We're talking feet of rain. And pounding rain can make the ground very, very hard. It's hydraulics, and it makes that ground very hard. Some of that land, if it's pasture land, is more or less ruined, and it has to be plowed up again and reseeded. Just from the rain. We think of rain as, oh, soft and and nice. No. It can be rain coming too hard can harden our hearts. And the things that come to us that we say, okay, pour it on, Lord, pour it on. We better be careful what we ask for. Our hearts can be hardened. And by the fact that we are resisting and resisting and pushing back, do not harden your heart. Numbers 14.11 the Lord said to Moses how long will this people spurn me and how long will they not believe in me despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst they became used to the signs and they resisted and the Lord says therefore I was angry he was angry because of the fact that they were not responding in the first place God gets angry Because we're like children, and he's like a father. And he wants us to respond quickly. And so he was very patient, very patient with Israel over and over again. We have the story of Caleb and Joshua. It's recorded in Numbers 13 and 14. After Moses had given Israel the law and they built the tabernacle, Israel comes to the wilderness of Paran. They choose one man from each tribe, 12 men, including two guys named Caleb and Joshua. These 12 men went in and spied out the land for 40 days while Israel waited from them to return with their report. They brought back evidence of the fruitfulness of the land, one cluster of grapes, which required two men to carry it on a pole on their shoulders. All the spies, all 12 of them, gave the same report. We went into the land and it certainly does flow with milk and honey and this is its fruit. But the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large and we saw the descendants of Anak there and it says that in Caleb in verse 30 when the people were, well, there's giants in this land. We can't possibly stand up against giants. We're not going to go in. We're afraid. And so the people were just kind of in a panic. And Caleb said, well, he quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and possess it, for we surely will overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So these people had given a bad report. It is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people who we saw in it were men of great size. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. And then it says in Numbers 14, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation of the sons of Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephthah, tore their clothes and spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. And that's the reason why the Lord said he was angry with them because they wouldn't go in. A whole generation died in the desert. The Lord said, okay, you're not going in. All of you who are disobeying now, you are not going in to the land that I promised to you. And a whole generation, 40 years, it took them to get to the promised land. A whole generation passed. And I wonder, what would have happened if Israel had gone in? Yes, they would have faced the same enemy, the enemy that they would face again in 40 years. But it would have been a whole lot different because they had obeyed the first time but oh, the 40 years that they spent in the desert. Read through the scriptures of Numbers and Deuteronomy and see what happened to them because they had disobeyed. God was angry with them. And you think, well, God is a loving God. And some of you might even say, well, no, God is an angry God in the Old Testament, but Jesus is so loving and kind you remember it was Jesus also who got angry and he made himself a whip and he drove out the animals out of the court of the Gentiles because they were doing business in the house of God that should have been used for prayer not for business we're disobedient by nature all of us there's not a one of us that doesn't and hasn't disobeyed that's our nature and God's conclusion was they shall not enter my rest what does that mean well next week we're going to look into what rest is about in chapter four we all long for rest don't we but you know even if you've had eight hours of sleep and you've had an easy week still you have to get up and you've got to go to work and you can get tired of having rest. God says, they shall not enter my rest. Take care. Take care, brethren, that there not be any one among you. Taking care means, I'm paying attention, Lord. I'm ready to obey. I'm listening. I'm listening, Lord. I want to hear you. That there not be anyone among you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Have you ever thought of the fact that disobedience to the Holy Spirit is indicative of an evil and unbelieving heart? Huh, what? It was just a little thing that the Lord was telling me to do. I, I'm not evil. I'm a Christian, and I believe God, but I, have you really understood what sin is? Have you really understood when God says to do something and you disobey? What is it you're demonstrating? An evil, sinful, wicked heart. Do you look at yourself that way? Did you know that when you sin, against the Holy Spirit and against the Lord who gave himself for us. That is an evil and unbelieving heart. A demonstration of my disobedience. Oh, it was such a small thing. He said, speak to that person sitting next to you at Starbucks. I don't feel like it. He doesn't look like a person I really want to talk to. That's an evil, unbelieving heart. Do we understand that? Do I understand that? Sometimes when I've missed an opportunity, I think, oh, I wish I could go back and do that over again. No, it's too late. It's gone. And where is that person that you should have spoken to about Jesus and his love? What's going to happen to him or her? Do you see how important it is that we not have evil, unbelieving hearts. Same thing that the children of Israel. We have no place to blame Israel for not going in in the first place there. We do it all the time. I do it all the time. As your pastor, I'm sorry. I have an evil and unbelieving heart. But I want to follow I want to learn to follow and respond when the Holy Spirit speaks to me in a still, small voice. But, sometimes the buts in the Bible are very good, and this is a good one. But, encourage one another day after day. What does day after day mean? Keep doing it. Encouraging. Encouraging should be one of the gifts that all of us have. How many of you have the gift of encouragement? Some of you do have a gift of encouragement. I know it because I've been at the receiving end of that. You recognize that in yourself? Do You recognize the Spirit of God in yourself that you love to encourage people? If you don't, Even if it's not your main gift, develop that. Develop it so that it's a stronger gift or a stronger sense in you. When you see somebody that's discouraged, encourage them. Encourage one another day after day as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So by encouraging someone, you're actually, particularly if you're saying, you know, this is a good verse that I found today. I want to just share it with you. And you share that verse with someone that lifts their spirit and they are moved to a place of obedience and strong enough to walk in the possibility of sin in their life today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Ephesians 4, 22-25 Lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with lusts of deceit and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self which is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. That's the duty of the body of Christ. That's our role in life, to encourage one another, to speak to one another in truth. And even if it's not your gift or your number one gift, we should be encouraging one another so that we together come into the fullness of what God has for us because we are partakers of Christ. We are jointed with him. We are in his body. And he welcomes us and, and takes us into be part of him. For we have become partakers of Christ If we hold fast the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, if we hold fast, firm until the end. Last week we talked about holding firm, holding fast, firm to the end. We talked about what is north to you. Where are you headed? Where are you going? Now know there's a true north that, that God has put into your life. And in order to be able to hit the target, to arrive at the destination, there are things that are pushing against you and you need to keep adjusting, keep adjusting. We talked about flying an airplane or navigating a ship. And we're going by a compass And when you're trying to go off to a a destination that may be several miles away, but you know that it's in that direction, and so you set the compass for that. But as you are flying or sailing along on the water, there's maybe a a wind or a wave that is pushing you in a 45-degree direction off of your course. And so you have to keep correcting correcting. And the thing to note, and I missed telling you last week, when you're trying to stay on a heading and the wind or the waves are pushing against you to push you off, it is wrong to think, okay, what I need to do is overcorrect. In other words, I want to go with this direction, but the wind is pushing me this way, so I'll correct it so that I end that way. No, no. Otherwise you'll be flying like this and you'll run out of gas and you'll crash. Every pilot knows that. But the way that you do it is you're correcting all the time. Always correcting. Always bringing it. Little by little. Bringing it into line. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us every day. Correcting us. Listen. Oh, okay. I'll make that correction. Okay, the world pushes us off a little bit. No, I'm correcting. So that you can arrive right on target. And it's by little (coughs) increments of correction. Daily. And that's what the word of God and that's what the Holy Spirit is about in our lives. So that we don't miss the point of what God has for us as his children. Does that make sense? It doesn't do any good to say, well, I didn't have devotions all all week so I'm going to just read all of Hebrews right now which would be good enough for a couple of weeks. No. You don't eat that way, do you? One meal a week? (laughs) No, you don't. Same as in correcting ourselves and the word of God allowing it to be in our lives little by little. You got it? If we hold fast and firm until the end. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. So we see they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Unbelief causes us to think, oh, I'll I'll get that later. No, that's not obedience. We're not even believing it because of unbelief. Small adjustments, corrections to our destination make the difference. We'll arrive there by small adjustments in our life. God bless you.